Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Saga. I'm a 35-year-plus spondy looking to bring the community closer. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. This is your host, Jason Sacco, and I wanted to touch base on something today that I've gotten a few questions on, and I'm going to kind of use an email that I recently received from a Ryan Van Agen. Ryan wrote to me and said, hey, Jason, I'm 23 and was diagnosed with AS in 2017, but was diagnosed also with degenerative disc disease in middle school. I just started listening to your podcast and would like to thank you for the resource of information. Man, I love getting stuff like this. I'm glad, Ryan, that you like it. And Ryan and I traded some messages back and forth. And one of the things that Ryan asked about was putting in for disability and talking about disability. And that was actually an episode that I had been looking at recording. So let me first preface this by saying I am not an attorney. My disability case itself was extremely unique. So I'm going to encourage everybody to seek competent legal assistance in their state of residence if they're going to apply for disability or for SS, you know, either SSDI or SSI. With that said, I think the first thing you want to do if you're thinking about applying is to go out to ssa.gov. That is the Social Security website, and you can find a whole checklist on there about you know what I need to do, what kind of things I should have, because you can complete the whole application for disability online. I think a lot of people think that they need an attorney. You don't need one. It may help if you have a very spotty work history or if you have a very low amount of medical coverage, you know, not coverage, but say um, you haven't had a whole lot of medical doctor appointments in the past to keep your items documented, then an attorney may be able to help you navigate the system a little bit better. Remember that every state's different. It's not uniform to say like there's X number of people on disability across the United States. Every state is different. The most recent numbers I had found a while back were for 2014. At that time, it said that West Virginia led with 8.9% of the population on disability, whereas Alaska and Hawaii were the least with less than 3% each. Why I bring this up is that if you are in West Virginia, there may be a higher amount of uh, cases being pushed through the courts, which can delay the time it takes for you to actually get a court case if needed, delay the amount of time it can take Social Security to process your case. There's a lot of things that a lot can mean, um, or it could just mean that there's very lenient judges there that just sign off on everything. So I, I don't know. You'd have to take that on a case-by-case basis, but make sure that you have uh, everything that SSA.gov asked you to have. I'm going to go through my case. My case is a little bit different, and then we'll touch base on some other things. I had plenty of work history. It wasn't that I was uh, young. I was 47, yeah, 47 when I put in for disability, almost 48. It was October of 2017, and I left work that day, went right home, and did the application online. Filled it out within a half an hour, 35 minutes, submitted it, and and was done, so to speak. It's a little unheard of, but I happen to have been going to the doctors for consistently for 15 years before that, had copies of most of my medical records, and or was easily able to provide the addresses where SSA could go and request those records from the different doctors I had seen. I also had a history of seeing not only the rheumatologist, but an orthopedic surgeon, 
a chiropractor and several other types of doctors, pain management. So it showed that I was doing everything from a patient standpoint I could to try and alleviate my disability. Now, there's a couple of things that I had that made my case a slam dunk and pushed me right through. When you're looking at disability, one of the things that they look at is they want to know if you've had failure of any major joints in your body. And in my case, in 91 when I was 21 and in 93 when I was 23, I had had a hip replacement on each side. 91 was a left hip replacement. 93 was a right hip replacement. So I had both major joints which affected my ambulatory ability fail. And then in 2010, I had more left hip replacement surgery. I had two surgeries done within 30 days of each other. So I definitely qualified, and that's what made my case unique, is that by the having the failure of the joints, it affected how I walked, where I walked, how long I could sit, and at my age, it wasn't like I could just go into any job and sit for long periods of time. I couldn't do that. So they took that into account and took into account the AS, the fusion in my back, uh, my neck, the gallbladder. They, they took all of it into account. And it was maybe just about four months from the date I had applied. So let's see if I applied at the end of October, November, December, January. So about the end of January, I, I was living in San Antonio at the time had not heard anything except that my case online, you could see that my case was under review. And I happened to be over by the Social Security Administration office. So I stopped in and I talked to a very nice lady. Uh, her name's escaping me at the moment. But she said, you know, that's a good question. Let me pull your case. And so she called me over to like a side area and we talked for a few minutes. And she said, your case was actually approved. I can see an approval date from like a month ago. Uh, she goes, that's the fastest I've ever seen a case approved. But she goes, we have to be able to cut, we can't cut a check for six months. So I knew that I had another few months to wait before I would even get my first disability check. Luckily, I did have a short-term disability policy through work that once the 180 days kicked in, the short-term slash long-term disability at work did everything in their power to try and figure out a way to not pay out my disability claim to me. But ultimately, they did. They had no choice but to pay it out. They couldn't figure out a way to not pay it. So I now collect Social Security disability income and my long-term disability. It was a little confusing when I first got going because I got X amount. So this is a makeup number. But let's say that for the time being, my, my long-term disability policy was paying me $1,000 a month. And when my Social Security disability policy kicked in, let's say that that qualified for uh, $500 a month. Well, that doesn't mean I got the two of them together and got $1,500 a month. I got the $500 from the SSDI, and then they turned around and they reduced my claim by $500 for the long-term disability and paid me just the other $500, so I still continue to receive in that example of $1,000 a month. If you have long-term disability at your work, you want to make sure to get a copy of that policy before you would go out on any type of disability program. And because you're going to have to stop working, and so you need to know what all of your rights are as an employee before you do that. If you're a little more concerned, if you're under the age, if you're 22 or under, that's a whole different ballgame. There is some, some items out there where if you're 22 or under, you don't necessarily qualify for SSDI because you haven't had the 10 years of work history, but I do understand that SSDI or you know the Social Security Administration will then let your parents apply some of their work history to you to maybe get you up to that 
that 10 year, depending on what their work history is like. So at that case, if you were younger, I'm probably going to encourage you to go seek legal counsel and you want to do a Google search for your area. There are plenty of disability attorneys and any one of them could work with walking you through the process. Uh, just make sure you like your attorney because you are getting, in essence, married to them as far as they're going to be going through the process with you and make sure that they don't just kind of leave you confused and off to the side. So those are some of the things you look for. You know, as far as disability goes, one of the things that you look for is the Social Security Administration uses a five-step, you know, evaluation process for determining disability. They look at the following. Uh, they determine if there's a medical determined impairment that significantly limits the abilities or individual's physical or mental abilities to do work, where, uh, basic, act, basic work activities. Number two, they look to see if there's one severe impairment. Uh, you know, then Social Security considers whether that criteria of any listed uh, impairments have been satisfied. If so, you could be found disabled. If not, then they go to step three and say, okay, can you establish the claimant's uh, what's called residual functional capacity, i.e., can you do any jobs? You know, what what is your ability to work, if any? Once they've established that, what they call RFC, then they can go in and say, can you, based upon what your work ability is, perform any of your old jobs? doesn't matter if it was your current job. It's any of your old jobs or any other work that they might determine is available for you in your condition. And then finally, number five, step five, is they look at your age, education, and any transferable skills uh, you might have that would allow you to not go on to disability and continue to work. Those are all important things to consider because, for example, I worked in a call center. You say, oh, well, geez, you go to any call center. True, but it wasn't my training. I, I was a trained, licensed financial advisor that just happened to work in a call center. But my problem was not the financial advice aspect of it. My problem was the sitting. I had had a job in that company where I could get up every 10, 15, 20 minutes and walk around as needed. Well, what ended up happening is they switched our work functions, our work job, and I was going to have to sit for eight to plus hours a day with just a 35-minute lunch and two 20-minute breaks, and there was just no way that I was going to be able to do that and continue up any type of um, reasonable work, uh, you know, any type of work that would keep me employed because the pain level was just going to be too great. So on top of that, when you're looking at Social Security and the disability process, there's a listing, and I think it's still called 14, and under that, they look at all sorts of different criteria and all sorts of disorders that might make you eligible for disability. Uh, and it's actually mostly that one is immune system disorders geared towards adults. But all those illnesses f that we would be familiar with fall under there, which would be the whole spectrum of inflammatory arthritis. Um, you know, it could also be any type of inflammation of just any of the joints in your body that's maybe not attributed to like a rheumatoid arthritis, but might be a function of ankylosing spondylitis, how it affects you, whether there's fatigue associated with it, weight loss, weight gain, um, just a general malaise. You know, there's all sorts of things that they look at in there. Under the inflammatory arthritis involving the axial spine, which is the spondy, uh, spondyloarthropathy. Sorry, I, for all of you guys that are sticklers on 
proper pronunciation. I apologize, but that's as close as you're going to get. So you're going to have things like Reiter's syndrome, ankylosing spondylitis, psoriatic arthritis, Whipple's disease, uh, Basset's disease, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, inflammatory arthritis involving different joints in your body, such as rheumatoid arthritis, uh, Sogren's syndrome, again, psoriatic arthritis, crystal depositation disorders like gout, pseudogout, Lyme disease, and then, again, inflammatory bowel disease. So they're going to look at all of that. All of those are potential, not guaranteed, but potential causes of disability, depending on the severity of it. So, again, make sure, if at all possible, you have everything documented. If you go to, you know, rheumatologists, multiple rheumatologists, have it documented. If you can get copies of the notes, I like to keep my own copies of notes, even though the doctor has them and will be required to submit them to disability. I like to have my own copies of notes, as well as copies of x-rays, everything. Any surgeries you've had, anything that ties into that, make sure that you list it on the application when you submit it. At this point, when you apply for disability, you are selling to the SSA how bad you are. So, you know, if you're having a one level pain day being you feel really good on the day you fill out the application but most other days you feel like an eight or nine well don't tell them you feel great as far as that one day average it out over you know a week and say here's how i feel over a week's time frame you know and i think the application will state that don't lie just tell them how you feel overall not just on one specific day then also be aware when you go into apply is it SSDI or is it SSI? They're they're slightly different. They they end up providing money to you to help you live, but they are different amounts that can come to you. Uh, you cannot collect both, as far as I'm aware. So make sure that you know um, what you're applying for. The uh, SSDI stands for Social Security Disability Income, and the SSI is supplementary supplemental security income and so you might only qualify for SSI depending on the number of work credits you have if you get an attorney he or she should help you be able to easily answer which one you qualify for and which one that you may may be able to get and and hopefully have come to you so that's really you know it's it's complicated but it's not the ssa.gov website walks you through everything it's going to tell you exactly what it wants from you. You're going to give it exactly what it asks for. And then the waiting process begins. If you have disability through work, you're going to want to put in for it. If you have 50 or more employees, you'll go on FMLA. In my case, I want an FMLA. At the end of the 180 days, it was determined that I would not be coming back to work. I was separated from service. I was given a good review as far as I would be eligible for rehire if I should ever decide I wanted to go back to work at that company. Uh, and we parted ways. And it was a quick transition from the uh, short-term disability to literally the long-term disability. And it was just a complete and easy carryover. Everybody's case is going to be different. So... Make sure that you work with your 
healthcare providers don't miss doctor's appointments. Make sure that they're writing down in the notes. You know, work with your doctors. Let them know you're going for SSDI or SSI so that your doctors know to fill in the paperwork for you and they'll know the, the right terminology to use to help the uh, SS, you know, Social Security Administration come to the appropriate determination. So make sure your doctors are going to be your allies in this. Make sure you're seeing all the appropriate doctors. That's going to be your job for the six-month wait period. And then at that point, you know, you can be rejected. I hear that a lot, again, my case was not the norm. Mine was the abnormal. A lot of people's cases are rejected. If that happens, that may be when you want to bring an attorney. If you thought that your case was fairly straightforward. I would say if you think your case is unique from the beginning, get legal consultation and and just start off with it that way. It could save you some potential headaches. Maybe not, but it's it's not going to cost you anything out of your pocket directly. They'll take a percentage of your of your back disability pay. So those are the very short and easy portion or, or spots to touch base on for Social Security disability. I am going to have a link to the Social Security Administration website's checklist of needed documents. I'll also have some other links in the show notes that talk about the process, and they are in no way recommendations of attorneys. They're just attorney websites that you can reference for additional information to, um, I, I don't know, to get yourself better up to speed on the process. It is a consuming item when you start the SSDI, and I wish everybody good luck on it. If you have questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to answer them if I can. Again, I am not an attorney, so please don't construe this as legal advice. Do what is best for you to qualify yourself for disability if you think that's the route you need to go. Otherwise, as you're on the ankylosingspondylitis.podbean.com website, if you have questions, go ahead and reach out to me through the contact page. As I've said previously, look on the right-hand side. There's links to vitamins, CBD oil, all those items that can help you as you go forward. So take advantage of it. And if you have questions or concerns, don't hesitate to contact. Thanks, and you guys have a great evening.